Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Encounter Mercy podcast. I'm your host, AJ Gedney. On today's episode, I am joined by Vince and Father Andy, and we'll be talking about- oh, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What are you What are you doing? This is our podcast. I thought this is my podcast. No, this is our podcast. You can't be just coming on like that and- just because you've been on, just because you've been on one time, you think that you're the host now. <laughs> I thought that's how this, it worked. This is all strange. This just is, like kind of like where we're at with life right now. Yeah, I'd say. So we're still, you know, slowly coming out of this lockdown, and now AJ, your diocese has, as well as all of the rest of the dioceses in Kentucky, have been out of essentially a lockdown now for mass for about a week. And I can't even imagine what that must be like for you all. And the fact that it's just probably utter chaos, um, trying to figure it all out and make sure you follow all the proper regulations. And, and, you know, that you have to really think about where we've been for these last, I don't know, few weeks, months, months now. Yeah. And, and thinking about, you know, we had all these plans. I mean, at least some of us did. I don't know if everybody did this, but I heard from a lot of people. Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Since I can't do anything else, I might as well work on these other things. And one of them, probably for some people, has been their prayer life, right? And um, trying to get their prayer life back together, and it, it can be difficult on a normal daily basis. But then when you're kind of forced into it. Like we were talking a few episodes ago about how going into seminary, like once you're forced into that prayer life, it's a completely different experience. So, well, well I like, can tell you, I going into this, I was like, oh, my prayer life is going to get so much better. I'm going to be doing so much more stuff on the podcast. The social media is going to be off the chain. Well, guess what? None, <laughs> none of that has happened. <laughs> and the biggest thing that's suffering is my prayer life right now. And I'm hoping uh, talking to a seminarian and a priest, maybe maybe you guys can help me out because uh, I'm not feeling low and depressed. Well, I mean, I'm just kind of, I, I can't wait for this all to all be over. I'm anxious. But, you know, going into it, I'm like, I'm going to be like a saint when we come out of this. Well, no, the, the opposite kind of happens. So, so, and I'm sure that's the case for a lot of other people too. So let's dive right into it. So AJ, when when it comes to prayer, what are um what is your thought? Like, okay, you and I have had uh, Benedictine training. Each you've now had four years. I had four years at Saint Vincent's, and they're all about uh, ora et labora, prayer and work. And um, you know, your experience of prayer and how it kind of like was integrated into your life. Yeah. Um. If you indulge me, I have a uh, I have an analogy I've kind of thought of because um, prayer should really it should be a habit, um, but habits can be hard to make. Is I always thought about how you know how the dentist always asks you if you've been flossing every day, and you always say no, and he says you should. Well, one of those times the dentist asked me, I was curious. Again, I'm an engineer by tr- uh, by background, so I thought, I wonder what happens if you floss every day. So I did. So the six months in between appointments, I flossed every single day. And when I came back, the dentist said, oh, wow, your gums look better. I was like, wow. But like any habit, when you start, it's kind of difficult in the beginning because when you start flossing for the first time after a while, your gums are sore, you bleed a little bit, but then you get used to it. And then what happened to me was I made it a part of my habit, you know, at midday, come back for lunch, pray midday prayer, and I'd floss. And then, so the days that I would forget or put it off, it felt weird. So I think that's what happens in, in our prayer life is it's hard in the beginning, 
We have to make room for it, make space for it. We have to try to make sure, you know, we kind of find why it's important for us. Then hopefully you get to a point where it takes on a life of its own. And then you even feel weird because part of your like daily routine was missing. So that's, that's the way I've kind of thought about it is sure. It can be, you know, prayer, just like flossing, it can be hard or even annoying at times, or we can seem it's like a superfluous, but it's good for you. And like flossing every day, praying every day works and you'll see the results. That's an awesome analogy. Cause I'm, I'm really bad at the flossing thing. They always <laughs> ask me, yeah, Hey, you flossing all, you flossing all the time. I'm like, no, <laughs> they're like, yeah, we can tell. And I was like, well, you know what happens is every time I leave this appointment, I floss for like a good two or three weeks. And then it's like, okay, now then it just kind of drops off. And that's sometimes how I feel, you know, after I have some kind of really good, uh, prayerful experience. It's like, okay, now like I'm, I'm on this high and I'm going to, I'm going to pray all day long and I'm going to do liturgy of the hours and I'm going to go hardcore. And then I kind of either burn out or something happens and then I just don't hmm. do it anymore. And it's the same as like flossing. Some, I just gotta, just gotta do it every day. And sometimes it yeah, may, you it, may not want to. It, it's funny that you said whatever answer you tell the dentist, he can tell. So it's almost like when you get the, when you get the confession, you know, you confess your sins and the priest says, are you praying every day? He can probably tell based on your sins. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was, that was a cool parallel is both people, both can be painful experiences, but um, you know, you can alleviate that by taking care of either your dental hygiene or your spiritual life before you get there. That's a really good point because there, you know, when you were talking about the fact of um, you know, it's just, you got to jump right into it. The other thing that came to my mind was as well of like, okay, let's pay attention to what we're jumping into. Flossing isn't hard, but if you're going to go in there with like the dentist tools, oh, sorry, as I'm hitting the microphone for all you people listening, um, the dentist tools, you're going to go in there with the dentist tools. Well, without the proper training, you could do a lot more damage. So like sure. the bigger, uh, another thing to go with this thought is, you know, don't try to take on more than what you can handle right now. It's so like if you're flossing, anybody can do that. You know, I, uh, even people with only one hand can still do that. Cause they got those floss picks, you know, but anybody can floss for the most part. So that's a simple thing to take on. Not everybody can go in there as a dental hygienist and scrape the teeth. And really you can't do that to yourself anyway. And I am pretty sure all the dentists would tell you not to. Oh, sure. Not without making so your gums bleed. Yeah. <laughs> so like taking on, especially in our prayer life, you know, trying not to take on, all right, People are good about this, and you hear it all the time. Father, I'm going to take on and pray uh, three rosaries a day. I'm going to pray one when I get up in the morning. I'm going to pray one at my lunch break, and then pray one before I go to bed. And then you come back the next month in spiritual direction. And so, how are the rosaries going? Haven't touched it. Yeah, Haven't touched it. Yeah, yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> Excuse me. And and we're kind of like in that moment now. We made all these plans at the beginning of um, this whole quarantine. And like you had mentioned, Vince, you, you wanted to do more with the podcast on social media and it just didn't happen. Well, it's, you know, other things came up, right? And and we had to take care of that. And the podcast isn't, um, it's not life or death, whereas, you know, our prayer life is. And so, but we have to take baby steps, small steps. We have to do the flossing. I like that. I'm going to use that now. I'm going to use that uh, idea of flossing because everybody should floss. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so funny. Like, it, it, you know, three months into it and I was flossing every day and I thought, wow, like, do I enjoy this? Like, why do I have to do it every day? But it had like taken on a life of its own. And for me, I'm a 
orient or I'm like a routine oriented regimented person. So once I found a slot in my schedule to put it, like what are things to do every day? Eat lunch, pray midday prayer. It's like, okay, I'm going to brush my teeth, floss, and, and then like, and pray. Um, so I think with prayer, that's in, that's in the same way is find something in your schedule. You can like attach it to that you do every day. Um, Cause that's the thing too, is you kind of have to set yourself up for success. Uh, you know, so like for that person that wanted to pray three rosaries every day, like, well, okay, well, do you have time budgeted for that? What if you miss one? What if you get busy here? Um, you know, do you have a contingency plan? So have yeah, you part ever of that prayed is- the rosary before. <laughs> that's a good, that yeah, was a that's a good, one. yeah, definitely. So because they said to me, Oh father, I was going to do it, but I've never prayed it before. Well, don't throw yourself into the middle of it. It's almost like, okay, you know what? Taking, um, taking someone who's never even heard of the liturgy of the hours and saying, okay, here you go. This it's this book that you got all these ribbons and you got to know where to flip to go for it. That's my first semester of seminary. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a little different. You know, you're forced, uh, forced to learn that, but it's still complicated. Idea, like, oh, it, it is. And try doing it Christmas time between uh, Christmas and New Year's. You just throw the book in the air and pray that you're on the right page. And, you know, it's because it can be very confusing. So, but you, you gotta, you got, if you're gonna do it, first off, you gotta do it with someone that knows what they're doing. And mm. you also have to be able to take on what you know you can do. So you're right. Attaching it to something and knowing what you're doing, those are extremely important when it comes so, to taking on a prayer. I, well, I want to go back. I want to go back to fitting it in with, you know, making a habit out of it and, you know, yeah. like brushing your teeth and all that other stuff. How do you make it so that when you're not into it, you're not just going through the motions? So for example, I pray, I at least try to pray for, you know, before I eat every meal, no matter what it is, whether it's something small or big or whatever. And sometimes I find myself just saying, you know, hey, thank you God for this and the sustenance, everything that, you know, all the hands that have touched this and please bless this food and, you know, and amen. And like, I don't want to rush through that. I want it to be something that is genuine each and every time. So is that just something you just have to force yourself to do? You know, like what are some, what are some tips and tricks that you guys have? Accountability. So Andy, father, Andy started getting to this when he said, you know, involving it with another person. Uh, I was going to go in the direction of, well, yeah, someone who's maybe an expert in something, what are their tips? But I think also accountability um, it's like, we'll do that in the seminary. Like, Hey, did you pray your holy hour today? Hey, did you pray your rosary today? And if they didn't, we can like give them a hard time. Uh, but the point is if you involve another person, then if you can't do it for your own sake, you'll do it for theirs. It's like, Oh man, father Andy's going to ask me if I, you know, if I you know, do my holy hour today, I want, I should probably do it because he's going to ask me and I don't disappoint him. Makes right. sense. So that's, yeah. that's something we do in the seminary. Yeah. And going beyond that, sometimes when you ask them, Hey, did you do this yet? Uh, you attach the yet on there too, because sometimes you can do it together. And when you're praying together, you know, it's good to pray alone, but in the same breath, you know, having an opportunity to pray with someone else is, is a really good experience. And as a married person, Vince, that's something that you can do with Cassandra, with your wife so and I, other married people. I have, yeah. I, and I, I do want to talk about that. And I want to ask what, you know, your guys' experience on this, because you pray with other people all the time is, you know, how do you break down that awkwardness of original, you know, like, Oh, I gotta. We're gonna pray with this person. This is this is weird. Uh, you know, this, this is something that's always been private to me. You know how do you know how do you how do you go from that to you know praying with somebody and it being meaningful? I'm sure there's other people yeah. out there that have that. Like I know, like I don't ha- I don't suffer it from it nearly as much as I have in the past. But it's I've always had that where like my prayer life is something that is personal, and it's hard for me to 
say, Hey, uh, Hey wife, let's, let's say a prayer together. Let's, you know, let's light some incense at the home altar and, and let's do some, you know, let's pray a rosary. Um, yeah. you know, that you was call her wife, my wife. Yes. Hey wife. No, I, I shouldn't say that. And just wife come. No, 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 like, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> that, that's really bad. But anyway, uh, back to the question, how, you know, how do we, how do we get over that? You know, I, I, even, even myself, um, as a priest, there are even still moments where it's like, Oh, you want, you want me to pray. And like, I got to actually say words. The key I think for me was just do it without thinking about it. And, and that might sound stupid, but if you have a prayer on your heart, even if it's just words that you're speaking, um, just do it. You know, jo- joking back to our Jeez, other episode. Yeah, where, AJ, just do it going in the seminary. Yeah, but it, it's just like, if you feel that you're being called to pray, just pray. And obviously there's times for that. If we're all um, sitting in the middle of a church and we're preparing for mass and you feel like you're being called to stand up and start shouting prayers, no, <laughs> no, you're going to scare people. You're going to make people run away and, and be very confused. Yeah, but, but the Quakers do it. Why can't we? Yeah, we're Catholic. We're not. We're not. <laughs> in all seriousness, no, no, no. There, there's time and place for everything. You know, in, in certain moments of adoration, AJ, you've experienced this as well. There's there's moments of prayer in adoration where you can um, pray vocally and and pray with the others around you. And there's moments as well of, of just silence. You know, like in seminary, uh, we have a holy hour uh, twice a week that are one is optional. The other one is semi-optional. Um, and you go down, but it's completely silent and it's supposed to just be time of contemplation. But let's say that you, you know, you there's two thoughts I'm having. Like one, Vince, you, you and your wife praying, um, that has to be just something that if you're nervous about it, you've got to ignore that nervousness and just say, all right, we got to We got to step outside of this. But then let's say like, AJ, I don't know if you've ever uh, done this, but I feel like at some point in time in major seminary, we talked about just going out on the streets and praying with people. And, and that can be really like, that can be intimidating, man. Yeah. Yeah. But it's important that if someone, even if someone says, can you pray with me? You don't have to have the right words. You just have to have the right intention. Dude, I remember the first time I was asked to pray and it was, I used to be in a a motorcycle club whenever I was, it was a firefighters motorcycle club and we were having this, they made me the, well, this was right before they made me the chaplain because I had a cross (laughs) on my vest (laughs) and uh, there's like a hundred bikers there. And we always pray before every ride and they were like, Hey, uh, you got a cross on your, on your, on your vest. Why don't you, uh, why don't you say prayer? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like stuttering and I, and and I'm like, (laughs) good God, please, you know, protect us while we were (laughs) like, I look like such a fool. (laughs) I have, but everyone loved it. I learned a good tip on how to do kind of improvisational vocal prayer like that. Um, it's really easy. It's three letters. D. T and A. You describe God, you thank God, you ask God. So let's say you're like you're at a parish council meeting, you know, good and gracious God, you who know us and love us deeply, we just described him. We ask him, God, we ask that you bless uh, this meeting here. You know, may everything we do uh, be for your name, for the glory of your church and this, this specific church and the people that attend it. And then, you know, uh, we ask him, okay, we ask that you send your blessing down upon us now and every day through Christ our Son, our Lord. Amen. Wow, cool. Yeah, that's a really good point. 
you know, and, and the other way is practice and just the fact of doing it. You know, one of the things in college seminary they required us to do was, um, once a week you were on, uh, for lecture, uh, in the college seminary. So you had to read at our daily masses and you had to write the petitions for all of the masses that you were the lecture at. So, and it couldn't just be like, okay, I'm, I'm printing them off of the internet and here you go. No, you actually had to write them and they would check. But that has helped me now that you, I can just, someone says, uh, you, we need petitions. Okay, easy. First, we're going to pray for the church. Then we're going to pray for our political leaders. Then we're going to pray for any current situation that we find ourselves in. Automatically, I'm going to be praying that uh, for um, the sanctity of life and the protection of life. And then uh, pray for the dead and pray for all the intentions we hold in our hearts. That's six intentions right there. There you That's, go. You know, but you, it's that practice and it's that uh, uh, being forced in a way to do it in seminary. But now it's so easy. If someone asks you to pray, you have this in your mind of like, OK, this is what I can pray for, because if, especially if it's a Christian group, you're pretty much safe in praying for the church. Even if it's not Catholic, the church, they'll understand that as mm-hmm. meaning them, too. And then praying for our government, because we all need prayers for our government and then for the dead. You know, thanking God for the dead and thanking God for uh, our salvation. Those are some very basic things to know and to pray. Yeah, I, I think it's like learning an instrument. Because, you know, Vince, you know, you're a musician as well uh, as I am. As I remember the first times like, I played bass, in, you know, in front of people or played guitar for a gig at church and how nervous I was. Mm-hmm. But then you get used to doing that. So just like you could pray in your room alone, doing it in front of people is different, but you learn how to. And kind of like Andy, through the my uh, being involved in campus ministry at St. Vincent, I pray before like sp- uh, the sporting events, the teams I'm chaplains for. I prayed, you know, during adoration. I'm playing guitar, and if you do it enough, just like playing an instrument, you get good at it, and you figure out what to say and what works. And then the cool thing about prayer is, it's always the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like Lord, like if this is a flop, this prayer sounds terrible. Let it be Your will, but it yeah. might touch someone. And it's cause, not because of your words, but it's because of the Holy Spirit. And for me, it always kind of took the pressure off, too. Has Father Emmanuel told you, AJ, yet about um, his favorite um, uh, preface? It's actually Common Preface 4. And I, I try mm. to use it a lot in the summertime. And and uh, Vince, Father Most Holy. Yeah, well, that too. But uh, I've brought this one up before. And it's the one uh, that says... Our prayer is a gift from the Father to us to give back to him. It's that cyclical nature. It's the fact that when we pray to God, it's not us praying. It's him praying through us to himself. And so it's us, his creation, giving him praise and glory. So, you know, it's this beautiful image of even if we screw up, our prayer, our intention should be to praise the Father. And so no prayer is a screw up unless we're specifically praying for something that we shouldn't be praying. Yes, I think I remember you mentioning that before, and it just went into this cycle of we're praying to, to God to give it back to us, to go back to him, to get back to us, to get back to him, get back to us. We just <laughs> back and forth. And but yeah, but, it's, but it is. is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, exactly. E- easy way to explain it. So what about uh, like contemplative prayer? What do you guys think about that and how do you go about that? Like if you were to contemplate a, a subject in prayer. I I remember writing a paper um, early in seminary on like Carmelite spirituality. So like Carmelite friars and nuns, they're real big on contemplative, contemplative prayer, you know, Teresa of Zoo, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross. 
And uh, Trees of Avila says contemplative contemplative prayer is just having a simple conversation with God and the lifting up of the mind to God. Because um, like it's interesting meeting people of different generations. Uh, there's an older generation where they know their glory be Hail Mary and Our Father, mm-hmm. and they'll just rattle those off continuously for half an hour, and that's their hour of prayer because they think they have to be saying words. So I really enjoy contemplative prayer because I do my best to just empty my mind out and then contemplate God. Um, and a good way of doing that is maybe like a holy image or a little bit of scripture. And then, you know, we talk to God all the time in, in our vocal prayer or our mental prayers where we're asking for things. And then it, it's that time to listen. Just like in every conversation, there's a time to speak, time to listen. Uh, so for example, like in my daily holy hour, I start it and do most of it just sitting in silence, um, paying attention to my breathing and to whatever God's putting on my heart. Yeah. And, and that I'm sure for uh, in the beginning was not easy for you uh, because, you know, I can say for myself, it's not an easy thing to t- pick up. Like I was saying before, this is not something that we are saying to you that you need to be able to do right off the bat. So everybody listening to this, you need to be able to spend an hour right away in contemplative prayer, not thinking about anything else, but other than contemplative prayer. Right. And every single distraction known to man comes in your mind <laughs> when, yeah, when yeah. you try. And that's to be expected. Yeah. Oh yeah. And a good spiritual director is going to guide that person into um, trying to see where God is in that, you know, and, and how to uh, experience God in those moments and allow him to work. So it's it can be difficult, but it can also be a very good thing. Again, prayers like any skill, like learning to drive a car or learning how to do anything, you get good at it. I think people maybe kind of get frustrated because they think, well, why wouldn't God just want to give me this incredible relationship and all this consolation in prayer? It's like, well, no, it's it's on our end. We have to orient ourselves toward him. And just like your calluses would build up on your fingers playing guitar, eventually you learn how to deal with distractions and things like that in prayer. But it's something you get good at. And how to get good at playing guitar? By doing it often. So the same thing happens with prayer. All right. And same with you know pro sports players. They don't just walk onto the field one day and make a million dollars and win a Super Bowl. You know, it, it takes years and years of, of practice and dedication and sacrifice to be able to do that. So same with so our prayer life. And a lot for, of, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I've got a question for both of you. We've been talking about prayer and, and kind of like how to get into it. And let's say your prayer life has um, tanked during this time of uh, not being able to go to mass, um, of not being able to receive the sacraments. Let's mm-hmm. say your prayer life is tanked because maybe even though you're supposed to still keep Sunday holy because it's still the Sabbath, Let's say you've just been sleeping in and not praying on Sunday. Now we're starting to see our churches become unlocked. Like I said, uh, AJ, your diocese now for about a week has been um, a little over a week, actually. Now they look at the calendar, it's going to be a little over a week that your diocese has opened back up to having public mass. How do we transition from this moment of contemplative prayer or prayer by ourselves? back into the prayer in the community and, and actually still being feeling like we need this, you know, because like for a long time now, we haven't had the requirement imposed upon us to be at church. It's been lifted. Now it's not imposed on us yet, but we should still try to get back into the practice of going to church. Uh, I How can tell you, do that? I can tell you exactly what I'm going to do is Saturday confession, 430 
or 3.30. I can't remember now. It's been so long because we haven't been able to there. But I'm going to go there on Saturday. And then Sunday, I'm rushing right into that church. <laughs> and I'm going to give it all I got. And I cannot wait to receive the Eucharist. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, I'm well, going to get about- like, I cannot wait to start going back to church. I miss it so bad. And that's good because see, th- there's there's an important thing there. There's important understanding is that you you have that that longing for it. What about the people that are? Eh, I didn't yeah. really want to go before. I don't have a reason to go now. Right, and I, you know I've been doing just fine without it. Ah, ah, there's no reason to go back. You know we don't need this. I, come to I can pray wherever I'm at. I don't need the church. As a married man, as a layman, what's what's your thought on that, Vince? Well. So, I mean, I guess as a married man with a family, it is my responsibility, you know, to form my, my children's prayer life, to reform their lives, their spiritual lives. So I have a responsibility, not only to myself, but to my, my wife and kids as well, to be the, the leader, the spiritual leader of my family. So it's going back to why I came back to the church to begin with. It's not just about me. I didn't come back to the church until my daughter was born. And, you know, it's, it's because there was something greater that needed to happen there. And it's not just, just me. If I just look at myself and just, it's selfish, you know, I just like, I have to make sure that I feed my children actual food. I have to feed them in their spiritual life as well. I can't neglect them. I have to take care of them. And that's all part of it. So for me as a married man who has children, it's easy for me to go about it that way because that's how I look at it. Uh, Even if I'm not feeling into it myself, it doesn't matter. We make sacrifices for our children and our family every single day. And this is no different. Um, you know, my wife makes huge sacrifices just as a stay at home mom for our children. And, uh, you know, not something that she wants to do every day. She doesn't want to change diapers every day. She doesn't want to feed kids every day and and do all this stuff and teach them right now because they're not in school or whatever. And, but she does it because she loves them and she has a responsibility as a parent to do that. And, you know, the same goes with the spiritual life as well. So from, from my point of view, it's, it's, it's not even a question. It's going to be uh, mm. this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Andy, uh, Father Andy, to answer your question, I thought about a class I just had. Um, it's, it was prophetic literature. So it's all the, it's the books of the Bibles that are named after the prophets, right? Ezekiel, Isaiah, Hosea, Jeremiah, things like that. And we learned a lot about, the Israelites, you know, they were in the promised land. Everything's great. And the Babylonians come in and take them away from the promised land. Like this land God gave them. The temple is there. Jerusalem is there. And they're now away and they have to still try to worship. Um, so I've been drawing all these parallels. But to your point is, so they're liberated again by this other country. They invade Babylon and they let them go back. Is not everyone went, not everybody went back to Jerusalem. Like it had been a couple generations. And even when they got back there, everything was in ruins. Yeah. So I keep drawing parallels because I think people, as I'm sure the Jewish people did when they came back, they're thinking, oh, things are going to be the same, but they're not. But then also what you said about a remnant, right? So some people are going to stay. So to your case, yeah, some people might say, hey, the church dispensed me. It might not, it must not be that important. Like, why would I risk it trying to go back to church? Um, So I just think about like, God's people have been here before. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Just, yeah. When, just when we think that we're alone and this is the first time this has ever happened, we, all we got to do is look back 
if it's not a couple of generations, it's a couple hundred years, it's a couple thousand years. We've been through it yeah. before and we've survived. Yeah, it's it's and, exile. Yes. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as we've said often, uh, not us specifically, but as it's said often, uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder. It, it, it is true. You know, um, it's very weird uh, since we started this podcast, Vince, you and I have always been in the same room recording. And now for the last few months, I've been sitting in my office here at home and you're up in Erie. And so, you know, it, we've figured out ways to do it, which is great. And it's great because we've also been able to incorporate other people long distance into it as well. But it's a change, but it's a positive change. Whereas we talked about last week about, you know, all the new normal that everybody wants us to fall into. It's that's not the new normal. The new normal is still community and how it's going to form. And I think something that um, I want to reiterate from our previous episode uh, last week is that, um, you know, it's still not the obligation still not there. You know, depending on uh, remember, this is obviously recorded ahead of time, everybody that's listening. But in the fact that uh, the because I don't think your bishop, AJ, has made it mandatory that people come back to church. Not yet. And and that's the thing is like until it's mandatory, if you don't feel safe coming back to church, because let's say you do have some sort of debilitating illness with respiratory issues or um, you are elderly and listening to us talk about for something, I don't know, rambling for no apparent reason, but and you don't feel safe coming back to church like you're not obligated yet. You're not obligated yet. So, you know, you might have that longing and this none of this is pertaining to you. But you feel like you want you have to go back to church. Well, just just take your time, take a step back, and uh, you know make sure that it's a safe experience for you to be able to do this. So, you know, um, I only say that because we don't want to make the impression to anybody that oh, we like, don't want to marginalize anybody. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. This isn't yeah. an us so, versus them thing like we talked about last week. This is yeah. You know, we are one church. And we need to we take care of each family. other. And, and as we go through this together as a family. Parts of the family can't always get together and be there. So we pray for that part of the family as they're distant, but we continue to do the best that we can to include and incorporate. So as we come back from this very strange point in our modern history, um, when it's dealing with this experience of the faith in in isolation and more of like what you said, AJ, um, uh, uh, not banishment. Uh, Exile. Exile, thank you. Like I said, my brain is just dead from all these allergy pills. As our church is drugs in a are bad, state of okay? Exile, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, um, as we find our church in a state of exile and we are coming back from that, it's going to be different, but in the same breath, it's also going to be the same, right? Um, as much as things change, they stay the same. So, you know, don't feel like it's automatically going to be some new church when you walk in. It, it's not. It's still the same church. We're just functioning a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there'll be some caution tape blocking off pews and some tape on the floor telling you where to stand, but it's it's still church. It's still the mast. It's still the Eucharist. My kids are yeah. still going to misbehave. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Given Kids are still going to misbehave and cry out, things like that. Now, to wrap us up, how are we going to take our experiences, and, and this is a, can be both a personal reflection as well as maybe just thoughts on how we as a community can take our experiences of this exile and bring it back with us into church to advance our prayer life. I, th- I think for me, having a unique position, you know, having lived at the church this entire time, I had mass and the Eucharist every day. 
And part of me is starting to feel a little guilty. Like, who am I? Why am I worthy to be able to see the Eucharist, Eucharist every day when there are holier, more dedicated Catholics out there that deserve to have it? Um, and I kind of realized the, the role of intercessory prayer that like when I received the Eucharist, I would pray for everyone who couldn't have it. I would pray for everyone who was just longing for it so badly. And I think I'm going to continue to take that, that even when the church is maybe in the far future, when they're full again and everything's fine, still to intercede for those who are sick, those who are suffering, those who are estranged from the church. Um, Cause I learned kind of how to do that with no one in the church. And that's, but it's something I don't want to stop once people are here, but to keep praying for, you know, souls in purgatory, um, for those suffering and for those who can't make it to church. I, I really like that. Yeah. The intercessory, um, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of praying for people who are affected by this and, you know, whether it's, they lost their job and, um, you know, whether they have a, they're a business owner, a lot of businesses are going to close and, you know, forever, you know, to pray for them, you know, to pray for people who are ill, for those who, um, you know, we could become or is our higher risk. Um, and that's something that I think I will continue to do. I've always tried to have some kind of intercessory prayer in my prayer life, but, and, and I think that's only going to be stronger now just because we've lived through something now that is a bit more serious, you know, than we normally yeah. see. Um, you know, I also, you know, I'm, I'm not going to take for granted, uh, some of the things that I did before, you know, the, the access to the sacraments, um, you know, how, you know, every Saturday I can go to confession or I just got to drive down to see you, Father Andy, um, you know, or, you know, I can receive uh, the Eucharist every Sunday or every day if I go to daily mass. And, you know, that's, it's not, you know, in a normal, normal time. Yeah. You can get that anytime you want, but the last couple of months, you know, I haven't had the, the Eucharist since this all started, you know, yeah. it, this is we're over three months now, I think. So, yeah. Um, I'm not going to take that for granted anymore. Um, definitely not. Not that I really, I mean, I, I hate to say like, yeah, I, I took it for granted, but, um, but I, I feel like that I, that I did because it was always available and always there. Uh, and so that's something that I think that I'll, uh, take with me when this is all done is, you know, this is a moment in time that, um, I'm, I'm very blessed to have. And there's a chance that I may not, I may not ever get it again because maybe I'll die. Or maybe there'll be another pandemic or, you know, whatever, whatever happens. And so, you know, to really embrace that in the sacraments. Yeah. And and the thing that I've been thinking about a lot is, especially in our diocese, uh, Vince, um, being that I'm so familiar with the 13 counties, 10,000 square miles, and um, what is it, 96 parishes that are currently open with a very small and continuing to shrink priesthood. Oh, yeah. You know, number of guys and so this is a taste for people in larger cities where you can church hop and church shop and realize what it would be like if all of their priests were taken away from them yeah because for the last few months we've been taken away that's true and we haven't been able to be there and minister and i've had to minister through facetime and zoom and how we're using discord and things like that like which are good these are all good things but that's not the priesthood. That's not the priesthood. Anybody they're, they're supple they're I guess they're complementary. It's not you're not supplementing it with you know, it's yeah. not supposed to be supplementary. It's it's these these are good complementary things. They're not replacements. And so if we run out of priests, if we just if we don't have any more priests for the diocese, 
uh, well, the city isn't going to feel it right away, but sooner or later, you know, the, uh, the outlying counties from, of the Diocese of Erie are going to start feeling it where they might not get a priest every weekend at their sure. church. It might be once a month that they can get to Mass. And so if we don't start talking now about vocations, talking now about priesthood and mm -hmm. um, religious life for the females and even for the males, you know, if we don't talk about that now, we have an opportunity to say, okay, you experienced for the last three months, you couldn't come to church. Now imagine like that's normal and you're watching mass on TV every weekend because there's no priest to come to your parish. Right. And the, the closest parish is an hour away or more or yeah. whatever. So what are you going to do about it? And, and each and every one of us, whether we're nine years old or 90 years old or 900 years old, we all have a responsibility to speak about vocations to encourage everyone to pray about their vocation, whether it is that you become a priest or a deacon or a nun or a monk or married, you know, these are all vocations. Even the single lay life is a, is a vocation in the church and it is something that brings fruit, but asking God about that because we've ignored God for so long in our church about talking about vocations. That's why we're seeing this, this time of losing priests and not having enough priests. So we have to continue to pray for that. And so this is an opportunity for us as a people to see what our church might look like if we don't have any priests in our parishes. So uh, AJ, the, the pressure's on. I don't know if you realize that, but Father Andy just confirmed it. So don't mess up. I'll turn out to you. I don't think we have anything to worry about with AJ. <laughs> So, and I look forward to being at your ordination one day. Yeah, it, it, it is just, it's so surreal because I remember my first year of seminary, it's like six years away. The end is I just put my head down, nose of the grindstone and one foot in front of the other. And I, I'd guys, they'd be ordained and they'd say, oh yeah, you know, it's a year to your priestly ordination and you still feel like there's like four years to go. And I was like, yeah, right. Well, it happened. Yeah. You know, all of, you know it's, it's forever away. And then all of a sudden it gets real close, very fast. Yeah. So uh, before we wrap this up, so you're, you're Kentuckian. Is that how you pronounce? Is that how it is? It's a Kentuckian. Yes. Is that, are yep. you, a, are you a bourbon drinker? You like bourbon? I sure am. Yeah. What's your favorite? Uh, I've been liking Basil Hayden's recently. Basil Hayden's. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. That was on my bar yeah. for about a year. I finished it not too long ago. That's a good one. I, I'm yeah. a Four Roses fan. Real big Four Roses. Ooh, my mom is a big Four Roses fan. What about you, father? Uh, you you put it in front of me and I'll drink it. All right, all right. <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm the same way. I'm just that's just Four Roses is kind of my go-to. Honestly, the only one that I really ever keep in the house because I know I can get to it easily is is um, Makers. But Makers, it's a good anything. solid choice. Solid choice. Nice. So uh, AJ, you did such a good job starting and introducing this podcast. Uh, and I know you I kind of my podcast. Yeah. I well, hey, don't test, don't push it, don't test your luck. I was going to say you did such a good job and I figured, <laughs> and I interrupted you and I figured I'd let you, uh, let you finish it out. So if you want to end us, uh, and I'm just kind of putting you on the spot, I think, uh, us, we're going to wrap it where up here. Yeah. Where, 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 where can people find us? Uh, yes, you can find Encounter Mercy podcast on the internet. Oh, thanks. <laughs> 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 
Facebook.com and, and on all of the different platforms that you can find podcasts. Make sure you're subscribing to us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And even though we stink at doing posts uh, for updates, if you're on Facebook, you can catch me daily for mass at noon. So as long as we are still in this uh, situation, the Diocese of Erie. And don't forget YouTube. Uh, we are posting videos of our right. of, of our podcast. So if you want to see any of our ugly yes. mugs, you're welcome to. So um, with that, I guess we'll end it. Thanks, AJ, for joining us. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank Thanks you. for having me. I'll be on soon. Yeah. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you.